This is Comms Day Live. I'm Graham Lynch and welcome to the show. Now, um, today coming up, we'll be speaking with a special guest who's popped into the studio. Uh, you'll find out about who that is later. Um, but first up, who remembers Jeff Horth? He was the CEO of M2 and then uh, later Focus when those companies combined. Um, and he's been away from the telco world, or at least quiet, for a couple of years. And now he's re-emerged with a new company called Smart Urban Properties Australia. It's a combination of five existing companies, um, B Energy, Fibercorp, Epsilon, Smart Automation Systems, and Connex. And basically, it plans converged utilities and communications infrastructure integrated in building technologies, platforms, and smart apps for multi-occupant properties. It's an interesting idea. It's kind of taking the greenfield fibre idea and combining it with a sort of sustainable energy play and targeting not just new multi-dwelling properties, but also existing ones that might be looking for a bit of a refit or a refurbishment and upgrade their energy and telecommunication and security systems. Anyway, I had an extended chat with Jeff um, last week. He was announcing that they'd raised $9 million um, from investors and that they were planning a stock market listing um, next year. So anyway, here's what Jeff had to say. I got involved in January 21 with a business called B Energy. Yeah. Um, now, B Energy builds embedded electrical networks. So we work with developers. We're building new properties and we, we deploy all the metering infrastructure. We'll put the hot water plant in, the solar, EV charging, sort of all of the energy infrastructure so that someone, you know, basically when the property is handed over to the owners corporation, we contract with the owners corporation to be the electrical provider for that property. Yeah. Um, the business has been around for about six or seven years. It's got a really good reputation with developers and with occupiers. And it sort of occurred to me that it's a very similar asset class to the private fiber networks, right? The Opticom yeah. style private fiber networks. And I spent a little bit of time. We raised some money in March 21. Um, we're actually looking to probably IPO the business last year and markets were not very friendly. so. Um, I decided to go and actually, I had a plan to try and bring a, a fibre business into the fold. Um, right. And the, the evolution of those, I found this business called Fibre Pro. You know, I'll just clarify, the energy business is, you know, today it builds, you know, we've got about 8,000 active services in the portfolio, but we've got 40,000 that we've contracted to build over the next two to three years, right? So we've got this really big contracted growth pipeline of annuity revenues to deliver over the next three or four years. Um, we found a fibre business called Fibercorp um, or Fibre Pro. Um, once you get a pretty early stage business, it's constructed about 4,000 lots, but like us has about 30,000 additional lots contracted with developers in greenfield multi-occupant properties to build over the next three to four years. So early stage um, and yeah, but a really high quality asset class um, with a great growth outlook. That business, what, what was interesting about that business is its IP or its unique IP was that when they were talking to developers, they have a sister company with common shareholders called Epsilon Security, which is probably one of the longest standing brands in you know, electronic security and ecom access, access controls on the East Coast. So they started talking to developers about, well, you know, we, we see the inefficiencies in the way buildings are constructed today, and that is that 
you know, one of MBN or Opticom or whoever come and will build the fibre network, but all it does is deliver the internet. Um, what we could do is, if, we, if you allow us to build the fibre network for you, we'll also build the overlay for that fibre network to support all the building technologies and the TV. And what that means to you as a developer is you don't need to, um, you know, build a CAT6 network for the, for the access control and a coax network for the TV. We'll deliver the whole solution on a single fiber backbone. And right. obviously the extension of that is that if I'm building the network, you may as well select me, you know, why wouldn't you select me to deploy the building technologies, the intercom and access control. So that sort of was the genesis of how we came to be smart urban property. So I met these guys 18 months ago now, we started, you know, talking about the vision of bringing these businesses together and, you know, from term sheets to diligence to contracts to the capital raise, um, we sort of consummated the transaction on the 15th of December. We've just been working in the background now to get the brand ready for launch. And um, the other part of the formula that we we sort of identified would be a significant value add for us was um, we we work with a couple of different providers of smart building apps um, over time. And there's a guys that either provide sort of community engagement apps or technology integration applications or mobile apps. Is this, is this um, ConnectX? ConnectX, is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's right, okay. ConnectX. And so we found this business, which is, I think has probably got the best um, um, technical integration of any of the products in the marketplace. And they're a classic example of a business that had a great idea and had invested a lot of capital and built a really high quality platform, but just didn't have the channel to take it to market. So we, that was the sort of the fourth leg, if you will, of the transactions we put together. And that, that's really the glue that we promote as part of our secret sauce, if you will, because the way the application works is we can go, we say to a developer, you know, if you put this whole suite of services or utilities and technologies in, the, in your property, when someone buys one of your properties, you know, they, 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 they've, they've organised, they've settled, they're organising their move in, they download the app, they get validated by the building manager as, you know, an authorised occupier of apartment 702. They can use the app to sign up for the electricity so they know that the power will be on when they move in. They can then select, you know, the broadband plan and provider um, of choice so they know that the internet's connected. But because the app also interfaces with all the building technologies, they can book the goods lift because we, we build APIs into the county lift control systems. Um, and when they turn up on the day, they tap their phone and it opens the door. So they don't need a fob because we've obviously built into the access control systems. And obviously with the intercom integrations, if someone comes to the front door, they can answer the intercom on their, on their mobile. They yeah. can send, you know, visitor passes. They can access the parcel lockers from their phone. They can book the rooftop terrace. Basically, it just means that all of the utilities and technologies of that property that are delivered on a you know on a single easy easy to use application. So, so it just improves the the amenity of the property. Now I should clarify that 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 most of that capability is in the app today. Um, what's not there is the the ability to sign up to your to your broadband plan and provider. That's yeah. on our on our integration or you know on our, our development roadmap at the moment. That's really the vision that is the reason that you would choose us. We'll give you really, you know, high quality, sustainably focused um, utilities. We'll bring you, we'll bring you a super fast broadband um, internet network and we'll use the same network to support the building technologies and remove all the waste of the CAT6 and coax and, 
and then we'll basically put a mobile application over it to manage all those all those services and utilities. And this one can extend into building automation like smart blinds and lighting and all those sorts of things. We've got Alexa integrations and for, for voice controls and it's a it's you know it's fundamentally something that no one we, we put together a proposition that we believe no one else in the market can match. I was just going to say that yeah because <clears throat> you've got companies like MBN and Unity who play in the greenfield yeah. fiber market but they're not offering any value add are they? They're not really they have they do they do from time to time we see our competitors um, when they're forced to they'll build the overlay network but they really don't it's not something that they um, they enjoy doing and they definitely don't they don't have a technology solution to go on that network um, and we've got you know we've got strong competitors in all of our markets right we've got some really strong competitors in the energy markets you know the big guys like mm. origin but we also compete against you know independent typically private equity owned um, operators in that space and then in the very credible competitors in the in the private fiber markets with MBN and you know Opticom particularly mm. um, and we've got people who can deliver technology but there isn't and sometimes they work together you know from time to time we'll see them partnering up on deals but there's no one actually who who can deliver more than one of those elements and we can deliver them all yeah um, can I ask you with your nine million dollar raise what types of investors you attracted yeah, we, we've actually done a couple of raises now. That was just the last one. And so we've got a, you know, we've got some very credible institutions on the registry, you know, I was like Ophir and OC Funds and you know, Micro Equity. So, you know, very credible institutional backers. And we've got a significant bunch of high net worths as well who sort of got behind the story. You know, it's a business that it requires capital. Right? We've got to build these networks, but you deliver really, really high quality um, income streams off that investment, right? You've got long-term annuity revenues and high-quality asset classes with contracted growth. Those types of businesses are hard to find. So a lot of that private wealth money has sort of invariably come from me rattling the, the tin and twisting the arms of, yeah. of uh, friends and family. But yeah, yeah we've been we've been you know, we've been delighted by the support we've had from from our investors. Now I was looking on LinkedIn and looking at some of the other executives that you've appointed and it looks like you're getting the yeah. band back together from M2. <laughs> There's a little bit of that. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, that was that was a pretty uh, extraordinary um, journey, the M2 journey. And we had, you know, we the success that business enjoyed was entirely a product of the people that worked there. Um, and so, you know, when, you, when you, you're starting to figure out how you build out your executive team in an organisation like this, you invariably go to the to the people you know, and yeah, yeah, we've had we've had great support, and we've actually yeah, I've recruited a couple of really high quality people out of that alumni, um, and yeah, we you know it's I'm I'm quite I'm fascinated by your whole approach to this because it it feels like I'm doing a little bit of theorising here. We're going into a kind of post telecom world, aren't we? Where you know telecommunications in itself is very much just a, a known commodity. The value really lies in what you package it up with and the solutions you provide. Mm-hmm. Is, is that how you see it? It's absolutely utility now. It's, um, you know, the reality is that, you know, probably, you know, if you think about, we, we sell energy services, right? And so the just supplying electricity or gas is not is not uh, sufficient utility anymore. We, 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 we're very focused on, we work with developers and say, what are you trying to achieve in this property? Uh, what's the ambition that you're going for relative to the target market for this, for this, this end product? And invariably, it's increasingly about sustainability, right? So we're, 
we're, we sort of lean in very heavily in making these buildings, these properties highly sustainable um, and particularly um, ready for mobility, right? We're sort of moving to, you, you have to live under a rock not to know that the, the, the issues of existing properties and their, you know, the lack of EV charging infrastructure and all those sorts of things is becoming a big issue. So it's something that new property developers are very focused on, making sure that, that, that we've got that infrastructure in place and we can help fund that. Um, but we also make sure that the electrical systems in the property uh, fit the purpose for future deployments of EV charging. Um, and we actually, one of the opportunities that we don't see much of today, but we think is a huge opportunity is to go back and retrofit existing properties, particularly in the energy space, right? We, it's a big issue for anyone who's in a more than a 10 year old building. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we think we've got a solution for them. We can come in, it's a managed service, right? We'll come in and deploy the infrastructure, we'll fund that infrastructure and we'll operate it and, and, and you know, provide it as a managed service over time. To, to, you know, that, that model really applies to the fibre infrastructure, right? If all yeah. it's doing is delivering the internet, it's it's a missed opportunity. You know, de delivering those services over the top of it and applications that help you manage your day-to-day -day life is people are, it's all about convenience for people. Well, moving on. Um, I guess who's popped into the office at Comms Day? The uh, new Shadow Communications Minister, Mr David Coleman. How are you, David? I'm good, Graham. Good to be with you. If you've been watching politics for the last few years, you, you'll remember that David was the Immigration Minister um, back in um, the last government. And, of course, we had an election and, and uh, government changed. And um, you're now in our, uh, our particular communications area, so, so welcome to the industry. Um, but you've got a very interesting background. Um, you've worked a lot in digital media. So t tell us about your background there. Yeah, sure. So I um, worked in the internet from the late 90s, actually. I worked for LookSmart, which was the Australian uh, search engine. I worked in online retail. Um, and then I spent about eight years working for PBL, which then became called Nine Entertainment Co. Um, and my final role there was head of digital and head of strategy. Um, so I was chair of uh, Nine MSN, uh, which was, of course, our uh, joint venture with Microsoft. Um, uh, did investments in internet companies uh, and and uh, was involved in uh, Sky News. I was on the board of Sky News and worked on our digital TV initiatives and so on. So so yeah, worked uh, in this sector for uh, for quite a long time. Okay, now you, you hit the hit the ground running in the shadow comms portfolio, and so, soon after you were appointed, um, you, you made some interesting insights about uh, the new mobile black spots round and what mm. you perceived to be a bias in mm. terms of how it was allocated. So what, what were you saying there? Well, look, I think this is a clear-cut case of political bias. So the Minister has personally selected a list of 54 sites that will receive funding under the Mobile Black Spots program. And guess what? 74% of those locations are in Labor electorates, even though Labor only holds one-third of regional seats. And there's no way that objectively, if you were to say, where's the need for black spot coverage in Australia, that you'd say that 74% of it was in Labor seats. So it, it's an open and shut case. It's very, very clear. Um, and uh, what we're seeking is a Senate inquiry into this issue to really get to the bottom of what's gone on here. Because we've got communities uh, like Hillsville in the uh, uh, the upper Yarra region in Victoria that's you know in desperate need of uh, mobile coverage, um, and they're not even allowed to apply. So, so it's, the minister has specified a list and also said 
Uh, if you're not on the list, not only do you, you're not on my list, but you can't even apply for funding um, under this round. And uh, that's just not on. And uh, the government needs to be held to account on it. And do you think you've got the numbers in the Senate to get that inquiry up? Well, I, well look, I'm, I'm very confident it will be uh, successful because, frankly, what's the argument for not looking into it? I mean, the only argument I can think of is, well, I'm from the Labor Party and I don't want to talk about it. Um, if you want to get to the bottom of how did this come about, you know, what were the discussions between the minister and the department, I'd be very surprised if the communications department hadn't provided advice to say, well, minister, there's a lot of places that need mobile coverage. So we want to get to that. We want to see uh, that advice. We want to uh, uh, have that inquiry to really scrutinise what's happened here. And I think that uh, that's appropriate and I think that's what taxpayers would expect. Moving on in the last few days, we've heard that uh, NBN is laying off uh, some 500 employees, about 10% of its workforce. And you've had a bit to say about that as well. Yeah, well, I think the first thing to say is it's a really tough time for the NBN and for those employees. And uh, certainly our thoughts are, are with them. And obviously the NBN should do uh, everything it can to uh, ensure those employees are, are, are well uh, looked after. Um, for the government, I think the minister's had not a lot to say about it, to be honest, has, has tended to push it back on the NBN. Um, but what I've noticed with Minister Rowland is she's quite happy to do sort of photo ops about the NBN. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe it's a, a, a glossy article about something that's happening in the NBN, but seems much less happy to take responsibility for when things don't go so well in the NBN. You know, one of the issues that I'm very concerned about is uh, the whole satellite situation where Starlink, uh, in a very short period of time, has effectively overtaken the NBN in the satellite service. Um, and that's happened on the minister's watch. Uh, so far, her response seems to be to set up a working group into low orbit satellites. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's a particularly strong or effective response. And the NBN is a very important asset and uh, it needs to be effectively managed. And uh, I'm concerned that the minister is basically missing in action. Okay. Well, that's Shadow Minister David Coleman. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks, Graham. That's it for Comms Day Live this week. We'll see you next time.